Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Well, there's no doubt about it. The transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ, what we heard in our gospel reading today, this is a unique, otherworldly, and even strange event. But it was also absolutely necessary. The transfiguration is situated almost exactly in the middle of the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus is in the midst of all of his earthly ministry. And and up to this point, the the crowds and the religious leaders and and even the disciples have been been in this process of forming their their opinions about who Jesus is and, and what it was that he has come to do. In the chapter right before our gospel reading, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? To which Peter correctly replies, you are the Christ, the Messiah. In other words, you are the Messiah, the one whom the the prophets foretold, the one for whom we have been waiting. But Jesus goes on to explain exactly what being the Messiah actually meant. He tells them that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day rise again. Well, this is news that the disciples, namely Peter, rejects. They, they cannot see, they cannot fathom how, how glory, glory from God could possibly come from suffering. It does not make any sense to them. And yet this, this is what Jesus needed to prepare them for. A long, dark tunnel, you might say, that would be the second half of his ministry. Again, the transfiguration is situated right in the middle of Jesus's ministry, and now he was starting his path that would lead him to the cross. And to be sure, on the other side of that cross, there was the, the bright light of the resurrection, but not first without suffering, not first without death. We often say when someone's going through a difficult time that they should look for the light at the end of the tunnel, that that even if it's hard right now, that things will get better. The problem with saying that is that you never actually know when the light is going to come. You never know when the darkness of the tunnel is going to end. But let's just say for a moment that you were able to Get a glimpse of that light before you even got started. Let's just say that you could see the light at the beginning of the tunnel, not the end. Wouldn't that make a world of difference? And that's why the transfiguration of Jesus is absolutely necessary. You see, it is that light at the beginning of the tunnel. It is Jesus looking toward his rejection, looking toward his suffering and death, and all that he knew was waiting for him in Jerusalem. And it is also Jesus looking toward what was waiting for him on the other side, which was the resurrection. And so the transfiguration foreshadows, it predicts, it looks forward to the glory and the light of Easter. 
We talked about it a little bit during our children's message and, and earlier. Have you ever noticed where Transfiguration Sunday is situated on our church calendar? It holds a pretty critical spot. First of all, it is the completion of our season of epiphany, the season of light that we have been celebrating. It started with that great, uh, the great light of the star that was leading the Magi to Jesus. It's all about the, the light being revealed to the nations, and it ends with this great light of the transfiguration. And so the season of the church year, the season of epiphany, is bookended with light and filled with light in between. But the transfiguration is also always the Sunday right before Ash Wednesday, right before the season of Lent begins. And Lent is a somber season of contemplation, of repentance for our sin, of reflection on our Lord's suffering and death, and a wonderment at all that Jesus was willing to endure for our sake. And so today we are reminded at the outset of Lent of two things. We are reminded of where Jesus is heading, that he is heading to Good Friday and to the cross. But we are also reminded that on the other side of that cross is light and life. On the other side of the cross is Easter. Now, Jesus knew that his transfiguration was only going to make sense to his disciples after Easter, which is why he, he tells his disciples to tell no one what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. But that wasn't Jesus telling them to look for the light at the end of the tunnel. In fact, just the opposite. At the transfiguration, Jesus was giving his disciples the light at the beginning of the tunnel, even if they didn't fully understand it yet. So what does all this mean for us today? Well, we often find ourselves going through dark tunnels in life, tunnels of our own making because of our sin or mistakes or shortcomings, but also just tunnels from living in this fallen and sinful world. In fact, we may look at our life here on earth as one long tunnel. Not to say that there aren't good things in life. There are. There's many blessings to consider. But Oftentimes, life can be quite dark and difficult as well. Consider the two people who show up with Jesus at his transfiguration on the mountain, standing there with them, Moses and Elijah. Consider Moses. Moses knew the lows of, of nearly being killed as a child when he was pursued by, by, by Pharaoh's agents to the highs of being raised as a king's son in the house of Pharaoh, to back to the lows again of having to run for his life into the desert and becoming a nomad. Moses also knew the darkness of the sin of the people of Israel, the people he was called to shepherd, wandering in a wasteland for 40 years, having to constantly intercede for them on their behalf to God, even though honestly they didn't deserve it. But Moses also knew the darkness of his own sin, stumbling at times in exasperation and anger and being told eventually by God that he would not be permitted to enter the promised land for disobeying God's word. Elijah was on that mountain with Jesus too, and his life was also a dark tunnel. 
Could you think of a more mountaintop experience than the one Elijah had when he defeated the the prophets of Baal, proving that they were nothing, uh, demonstrating the superiority of God over over all these false idols? And, And so right in Elijah's life, when things were finally seeming to get back on track in Israel, he finds out that an evil queen wants him dead and runs him out into the wilderness in an attempt to take his life. And so he just falls down and he asks the Lord to just end it right then and there. The wild fluctuations in Elijah's life between great faith and success and then great despair. It must have left Elijah feeling like he was in a dark tunnel. And that's how life can be. Contrary to reckless optimists, things in life aren't always perfect. Nor are they necessarily always going to get better. Worry or danger takes away our sense of peace. Cancer or other diseases takes away our strength and abilities. Death takes away our loved ones. Our own sin takes us away from the life that God desires for us. These are all tunnels that we are constantly journeying through in life. And so it is, it is so often uh, difficult. It is so often nearly impossible when we find ourselves in the dark to see any kind of light at the end of the tunnel. And that's why today, of all days, we must see Jesus on that mountain with his disciples. We must see him transfigured. We must see him appear in all his divine glory. His clothes becoming radiant, intensely white, Mark says, as no launderer on earth could bleach them. Isn't that an interesting detail that Mark includes? Do you know the only other time that Mark uses that adjective white in his gospel? This is no coincidence. The only other time he uses the word white is when he describes the white robe of the angel sitting in the empty tomb of Jesus after the resurrection. It was yet another time when a divine voice tells the disciples precisely who Jesus is and what he came to do. It was yet another time when the unrestrained glory of Jesus would be on full display for his disciples to see so that they may believe. And is yet another time we see this connection between the transfiguration and the resurrection. The transfiguration of our Lord points us toward his crucifixion as Jesus journeys down the mountain and heads towards the cross where he will pay the price for all of our sin and for everything that separates us from God. But the transfiguration also points us forward to his resurrection where we see the glory of the risen Savior who has overcome sin and death for us. And this light that we see emanating from Jesus is the very same light that we have been given in our lives, the light that Jesus provides at the beginning of the tunnel. You see, although we may journey through the various darknesses of life, through valleys of shadows of death, we are never in the dark. We are never alone. We are never un. Jesus has prepared us. He has given us this light. Even before the light that we know is coming in our resurrected life to come, 
We know we have it. Since Jesus has been risen from the dead, we know that our resurrected life is a certain promise. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. And what Paul means there is that there are those who have died, there are those who are sleeping the sleep of death, as we all will one day. But because Jesus has defeated death by himself being raised from the dead, he is the firstfruits, he is the foreshadowing, he is the sneak preview, if you will, of what we will one day be and what we will one day experience with him. And so you might ask, well, well, how do I know that I have this light of the resurrection? How do I know that I have this light at the beginning of the tunnel? Because some days, I'll tell you, it sure doesn't feel like it. And the answer is, you know that you have this light because you are a baptized child of God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says from our epistle reading today about baptized children of God. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, talking about creation there. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, you have been given that light, that light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The disciples, they got to see that, uh, that light on the mountain of the transfiguration with their own eyes. But you, you have been given that same light in your baptism, so that you can be certain that you will see with your own eyes the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You will see your Savior face to face on the day when he raises you from the dead. And looking forward to that day in our lives here on earth, looking forward to that day makes all the difference. Being baptized means having that resurrection light at the beginning of the tunnel. Now, it doesn't mean that we still don't have to travel through the tunnel. We still do journey through our lives here on earth, just as Jesus still journeyed his journey here on earth. But having been given this light from our Savior, it makes all the difference. And honestly, to put it into words, I can't say it any better than the Apostle Paul does in the very next verses after our epistle reading ended today. In 2 Corinthians, when Paul talks about what it means, what difference it makes to have that light right here and right now. So, let me share with you what the Apostle Paul says. And as I do, think about God speaking these words directly to you in whatever tunnel you may find yourself in today. The Apostle Paul writes, But we have this treasure, this light, in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. 
We know that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Today, as we stand on this mountain with Jesus and with his disciples, and as we look with them toward the cross and and toward the empty tomb, as we enter another season of Lent and reflect upon our own sin and weaknesses that seem to make our bodies nothing more than fragile jars of clay, as we continue to walk in the dark and difficult tunnels of this body and life, let us always remember that we at all times carry with us the death of Jesus, the suffering of God that has saved us from our sin as well as we carry with us the life of Jesus, who will raise us from the dead and bring us with him into that eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is the light that Jesus has given you at the beginning of the tunnel. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.